Hello, everyone. Here we are for another English Link podcast. Mark here with Steve. Hello there. This is the uh, Mark and Steve uh, talk fest. Mark and Steve show. The Mark and Steve show. <laughs> you know, what are we going to talk about? We should have, before we get on to things that are less serious. We're, we're kind of uh, in mourning today because our Vancouver Canucks lost in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. That's uh, most people out there probably have never heard of the Vancouver Canucks, but here in Vancouver, hockey is king. No so longer. the city, <laughs> the city is in mourning after our team lost to the right. Chicago Blackhawks. We won't go into details. It's no. too annoying to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but mind you, you know, in sports, you can't always win. Somebody's got to win, and somebody's got to lose. Uh, we got the World Cup now in South Africa, and there's I don't know how many teams, and only one team's going to win. So. That's absolutely right. There you and, go. And, and some teams uh, that are not expected to do as well will come and will do well, and some of the top teams will not do well, and will get lynched by their respective <laughs> media. I, I read in the paper that somebody said, I think it was the ABN Bank, which is a Dutch bank, said that uh, the best thing for the world economy is if Germany wins. Uh, but their prediction is that Spain will win. And apparently it has to do with the size and power of the economy of the country. Right. Because the most powerful economy that's playing in the World Cup yeah. is Germany. Right. So if Germany wins, the impact on the economy and spending oh, and so forth. I see. So, uh, who knows? <laughs> All these different theories. While we're on the subject of Europe, of course, we've had uh, a change of government in the UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the first time in a long time, they've got a, uh, they don't have, like typically we think of the UK as having uh, two parties. Right. Right. The Conservatives and the Labour Party. Mm -hmm. And now they have a coalition government. Right. Because the Liberal Democratic Party has formed a coalition right. with the Conservatives. But that the Liberal Democratic Party kind of came out of uh, relative obscurity to get a significant percentage of the vote, so that right. they became a player in the. I mean, there always has seen over there exactly. Now there always has been that third party, the Liberal mm -hmm. Party, and there I think there was a coalition in the 1930s when a Canadian, actually John Bonar Law, was Prime Minister. Hmm. If I remember my history, but uh, the big issue in the UK and why they typically, as is the case in Canada, why there's typically either one party or the other is that they have this first past the post election system. So right. in any uh, riding or circumscription or whatever we call it, um, only one party will win. Right. But there is, there are systems elsewhere. In fact, I think it's more common to have this uh, proportional representation right. system, where even little parties, if they end up with fifteen percent of the vote, then somehow or other they'll end up with fifteen percent of the seats. Right. Which so, I guess seems more fair in a way. I know that uh, here in British Columbia, and the, uh, the uh, for the provincial government, they had a a referendum on whether to. Uh, move away from the first past the post system to a right. more of a proportional representation type system, and uh, it got defeated. I think mostly because nobody could understand the system. Well, it wasn't <laughs> that was proposed. Well, that's right. It wasn't simply a matter of you know whatever percentage of the vote you get. It's factored in and divided and sub subtracted from, and no one understood it. But you know, I understand that one of the demands of the Liberal Democrats in the UK is to have a referendum on switching to a proportional representation system, because obviously the Liberal Democrats, I mean, 
those parties that concentrate their votes in certain ridings are mm. going to win those seats. Right. Those parties that are kind of evenly distributed. Right. And have 35% everywhere or 20%, they're never going to win a seat. So right. the Liberal Democrats would benefit by proportional representation. And one of their demands is to have a referendum. But I think people don't understand the issue. And I think they'll probably vote for, for what they know. I, know. I, I mean, that's certainly what happened here. That's certainly what happened here. I think there, yeah. It, and what I read that the Conservatives are not necessarily that keen on changing the electoral system because it obviously benefits them right now uh now they have to form this coalition so they have to give up something to to form it but right. uh it'll be interesting to see i mean i think for starters they have to come up with a simpler formula for the proportional representation well, than the one they came up with uh, here right. so that people can at least understand what it is they're voting for well you know against. yeah i mean some countries like france and i, I think the ukraine because i followed their uh, election uh, there, they have a second sort of turn, right? So you have you 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 have one election, and and then whoever said there's eight parties, right. and then the top two or three are in a runoff, so that there's actually a runoff, a second election. So people have to elect, mm -hmm. have to go to you know to vote twice. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what they'll come up with, but one of the things that Cameron, David Cameron, the new leader, is talking about, which I think is highly overdue. But whether he actually pulls it off or not, I don't know, is this idea that, that uh, in the UK they'll have to get away from the idea of entitlement. Mm -hmm. In other words, everybody, you know, whether they are government servants, in other words, public em you know, uh, employees, or even the, you know, the, the electorate, they all feel they're entitled to this and entitled to that. Right. I should have five weeks holidays. I should have this. I should have that. And all these countries are going bankrupt in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, we've got to talk about what we can put in rather than what we're going to take out. Mm -hmm. Easily said. <laughs> Lots of people say those things. The problem is you get into power and then never... And you like that. to stay there. You like to stay there. And uh, I mean, human nature is that if you've, you were given something and then it's taken away from you, then uh, you feel hard, hard done by and you're going to complain just like in... In Greece, where their uh, country is going uh, bankrupt, and they're uh, out in the streets protesting, mind you, things are going to have to be tightened up on them. Mind you, you know the situation in Greece is probably no worse than the situation in California, insofar as yeah. government debt is concerned. Uh, the bigger problem with the politicians is that the the business model for a politician is: I take the taxpayers' money and I use that money to buy his support so that he'll <laughs> vote for me next time. And since a small percentage of the people pay most of the taxes, therefore, in a situation of majority rules, if 20%, 10% of the people, I think, pay 55% of the taxes, right. so 10, 15% of the people are unhappy, 60% uh, of the people are happy. They're getting right. something for nothing, yeah. however inefficient the delivery of that right. service and entitlement is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're on, we've been on that subject before. For sure. Yeah. The, listen, t speaking about health, which we weren't, but it's a public service. Both of I, ha both of us now have gone to visit this uh, Chinese acupuncturist. Yeah, and I've decided to give up on the guy. Uh, I have. You've got your bad neck, which you can describe. I have yeah. a situation where sometimes I think the circulation to my fingertips—it's not the blood circulation, but it's the nerves or whatever—are uh, such that my fingers get cold and sometimes a little bit numb, and my thumb is sometimes a little bit sore. So I thought. This would be something for acupuncture, right? Because I haven't been able to find a doctor who's got anything useful to say other than wear gloves, you know. Yeah. Now, I, 
It could also be carpal tunnel syndrome. I don't know. So anyway, I've gone there twice. It's the first time I went there. He sits you down. Doesn't say anything. I was about to tell him what was wrong. Shh. <laughs> don't tell me. And then he kind of squeezes my fingers, looks at me, stick out your tongue. Then he draws a little stick man and says, you've got this, this, and this wrong. Now follow me. And then he makes me lie down, sticks a bunch of needles in me, and I lie there for an hour. And I didn't feel any better. Then I went again, (laughs) and the same thing happened. And I still don't feel any better. So even though I've heard great stories about this guy, I'm not going again. Well, I should explain that uh, the reason you went there is because I went there. And the reason I went is because a friend of mine went had gone there. And this friend of mine had had uh, back problems forever. Uh, I don't know what, disc problems in his back. Like he couldn't walk, he couldn't golf, like he couldn't do the things he liked to do. And he'd had surgery, I don't know, three or four surgeries, like a lot of surgeries and uh, was didn't get better. And uh, he was recommended to go see this guy. And he said after, I don't know how many treatments, I don't know how many times he went to see him, but uh, he said the guy cured his back. Like he's, wow. he's fine now. So, I mean, that's, you hear stories like that. That's pretty, pretty uh, convincing. So I've had this problem with my neck. So I went and saw him and same, same experience as you had, you know, he flicks your fingers, looks at my tongue, uh, draws a little picture. But he did say, you know, after he drew his picture and he doesn't ask for any input, he said, okay, you've got, gave me a list of four of my problems, (laughs) one of which was my neck. So, okay, fine. (laughs) We're on the right track anyway. Let's see what you got. He, so he did He did what you described. He sticks needles in you. You lie there for a while, flips you over, a couple needles in, in the problem areas. And I got to say, after that first treatment, the pain that was in my neck in the one particular spot for at least a few years is now gone. So, I mean... But to, gone forever or is it still sore? It's gone. It's gone. So I mean, that's I, worth it. That's worth it. Yeah. I, I still have, you know muscles tightness and whatever in my neck and shoulders and i don't know that anything can be done about that it's mm-hmm. just that's just how it is i mean i've been a few more times and it's done nothing additional so i mean i'm done there too but right. it did fix that uh, one spot i mean yeah <laughs> no that's it's, it's good i when i'm in that situation you're in the and uh, I, I, <laughs> the guy doesn't ask any information no. and he's there flicking your tongue Flicking your fingers, look at your tongue. I mean, I I, I have to admit that I'm there trying not to laugh. Right. It's uh, but <laughs> and yet, but you, it's interesting too. If you it. when you're lying there and you've got the needles in you, and I had needles in my arm too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you realize it, but if you move your fingers, it's very mm-hmm. sore. Oh yeah, you don't want to move. Don't want to move. And the same with the stomach. If you move and because you yeah. got he puts that this terrible blanket over you, it's it can be sore as long as you don't move. It's not sore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of China, I was at a breakfast this morning where the Canadian ambassador to China, who is visiting here in Canada, gave us a bit of a presentation on China. It is amazing, the growth in China. Mm -hmm. China will surpass Japan as the second economy in the world. It's growing at eight or nine percent a year. Apparently, they're building a new power station every week, (laughs) a new electrical power station every week. They import 65% of the world's iron ore, produce 50% of the world's steel. I, I heard I was at a, a forest industry conference yesterday, and we were talking about the growth opportunities for, for wood in China. But China pr- produces 50% of the world's cement. 
Maybe it's even more. And of course, for every ton of cement, you produce a ton of CO2. Mm-hmm. So there is some awareness that in order to meet, if they are to meet their CO2 uh, obligations, that uh, switching to wood away from cement would be mm-hmm. would be a benefit. But, I mean, that's just unbelievable. A power station a week. Can that really be? I don't know. Maybe that's one of those things people repeat. I don't know. But, yeah. But, I mean, that's an awful lot of power stations. How, yeah. What kind of power stations? Well, that we don't know. Maybe it's a Coal-fired? Diesel generator. <laughs> I don't know. But that's... No, no. These are big, big power stations. I mean, they're just gobbling up resources. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, I mean, if they're growing 7 or 8% a year, you know, if something grows uh, 7% a year, it doubles in 10 years, right. mathematically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's... In other words, that would mean adding the economy of Japan every 10 years. Right. Amazing. Now, at some point, they're, they're, they're going to slow down. They can't maintain that growth rate forever. But, you would uh, think so. But, they probably have a route ways to go. Yes. Well, it's it, they seem to be generating the wealth, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's talk now about their uh, overheated economy mm-hmm. and speculation and uh, real estate and all of these and bad loans and stuff. And it seems like the whole world is full of bad loans. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, I mean, if they can build up that uh, consumer demand in China, that creates a whole new marketplace for. For goods that uh, can only help the world economy that's been sort of dependent on the American economy I, for well, so exactly. long. I think this opens up a whole new uh, engine yeah. of, of growth. <clears throat> right. Uh, speaking of, of China and growth and stuff, I was in my car on the way back from my, I had an appointment downtown. I was listening to the history of Sweden in Swedish. Mm-hmm. And so a number of thoughts kind of went through my mind. First of all, that really... You know, the, the, the quality of, you know, MP3 players is such that, you know, I just plug it into my car radio and I'm listening to this phenomenal audiobook on the history of Sweden. Mm-hmm. My car is my university lecture hall. Right. It is. Yeah. And, yeah, occasionally I tune out mm-hmm. so I don't run over someone. Right. You know, I mean, you can't be 100% concentrating. But then I thought to myself, when I'm sitting in a lecture hall, I'm de- gazing out the window half the time. I mean... How much do people concentrate in a lecture hall? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't, uh, unless the <coughs> professor is particularly gripping, it's hard to concentrate for that full full period. And, right. and, and then you're, maybe that's part of the reason why you take notes is to keep yourself focused. Uh, right. <laughs> so you continue listening. Right. Plus, I find myself listening to this, and I notice that I missed some things. And mm-hmm. then, uh, but I want—I have the book at home, and that makes right. me want to read it. So I think mm-hmm. there's a whole tremendous learning opportunity just through listening. I'm, mm-hmm. I've been talking about it on my blog. I'm quite big on it. I think we do far too much of just sitting people down and talking at them. Mm-hmm. Let people listen in other places. Let, right. let them listen while doing other things, driving, whatever. But the other interesting thing about the history of Sweden is that it talks about you know. Sweden over the last however many thousand years and at different times it was covered in ice and then it was warmer than today and uh, and even as late as when they were sort of more of a hunter-gatherer society let's say mm, 6,000 years ago there were like, I don't know a couple of thousand people in the whole of Sweden mm-hmm. uh, not very many people, it is amazing and that's like fairly recent in terms of the total history, that's mm-hmm. still the 11th hour Right, you know, so uh, I mean, the rate at which we're growing now, it's uh, mm-hmm. 
but I'm not a I'm not a believer that we'll run out of space. No, there's still a lot of space. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a different world. Absolutely. Although yeah. I think uh, population growth will eventually peak, like it's uh, at least demographers suggest that it will peak. And, uh, yeah, I, I and mean, then start to decline. I mean, it, I think worldwide. it requires. It is declining in some countries already uh, in Europe. And, yeah, uh, it declines Eastern in those. Europe. Yeah, it declines in those countries where certain economic, you know, transformations have taken place, mm-hmm. where it becomes economically, you know, more uh, advantageous to have smaller families or, you know, women are in the workforce mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's precisely in those countries today where they are not able to provide for themselves, mm-hmm. where there is no proper economic infrastructure, right. where there's continuing to be this incentive to have more and more kids, look right. after you in your old age, whatever and so forth. And in those countries, I can see where they would reach a point where something's got to give. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it now through this massive migration. But migration is not going to solve the problem. No. You're not going to take a billion people and move them to Europe. No, so. but I think those countries, uh, and I think uh, you know, the Internet is going to have a profound effect there, spreading, getting more knowledge into more people's hands and, well, that's and, true. and helping, helping people everywhere sort of advance despite the infrastructure and the situations in those countries and um, your mm. average average resident of those of the third world countries may have a better chance now to, to, to well, raise themselves. You know, you raise an excellent point uh, about how the third world countries are going to leapfrog the technology. I was talking to a friend of mine who was in Paraguay mm-hmm. uh, and he said down there, everyone has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's much cheaper than here. Mm-hmm. The phones are cheaper. Mm-hmm. The, it's like $10 a month right. uh, for unlimited access. Yeah. So everyone is connected yeah. quite cheaply mm-hmm. so that the old issue that you had to build, build right. in a telephone infrastructure and all this kind of stuff and I think in Africa as well, I hear that cell phones are becoming more and more Yeah, I heard that uh, in Kenya, they have, they're the most advanced in, in uh, payment by cell phone <laughs> systems or something. Because no other payment system. No works. other system, I guess, <laughs> works. Well, no, yeah. that's right. So, no, you're, you're quite right. Now, maybe then with the iPad, mind you, and then I hear, you know, we hear that in countries like India, they're developing, you know, the $1,000 car right. and a $100 computer. Yeah. So if they come up with like the hundred dollar iPad or the I mean, fifty dollar iPad, things will come. They'll, they'll come, come yeah. and uh, the more people that are sort of plugged in and have access to the, all the resources that are out there, which was, certainly wasn't the case in the third world before, or right. is much better now that with, yeah. with the internet, with access to all that information that is accessible on, online. Mark, do you realize something? What's that? They can access the link. Exactly. I know. They're all going to be speaking ten languages. How many people? I mean, those are our growth markets, like Niger, (laughs) and uh, I don't know wherever the population is growing. If they can all get on Link, (laughs) and uh, we got to develop whatever language they need there, you know, because yeah, I mean, in Africa they got all these different languages, so they got to learn each other's languages with Link. I think that's that's gross. We'll send send a research team to. uh, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably about uh, as much time as is required for people to go for a jog or do the dishes. So we'll we'll end it there, uh, and we'll pick it up again next time. Thank you for listening.